Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is firefighter Raphael Poirier for Firehouse Subs. Introducing the new spicy Cajun chicken sub, Cajun seasoned grilled chicken breast, zesty cherry peppers, and house-made Cajun mayo. Just $5.55 for a medium. Remember, a portion of every sub you buy helps provide life-saving equipment for first responders. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Limited time only, plus tax. Participating locations. Firehouse Subs would donate a minimum of $1 million in 2019 to the Firehouse Subs Public Safety Foundation by donating 0.11% of every purchase. From New York City, it's the Todd Berry Podcast. The Todd Berry Podcast. Hey everyone, it's the Todd Berry Podcast. Uh, my guest today is Ted Alexandro. Hi, Ted. How's it going? Good, thank you. <laughs> See how polite we are right up front? Very polite. That's a good sign. That bodes well for what's about to happen. A lot of polite conversation, which is what you're looking for in a podcast. Um, I don't even remember where I met you or how long I've known you or if we're really friends. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think about all those things today, Michael. Yeah. Are we even friends? No, we're friends, of course. Yes, we are friends. I can I confirm that. Um, as far as like where we met, yeah, I mean, I knew you. Like when I was starting out, you were kind of established already. You were like one of the guys. So. I know what happened. <laughs> what happened to that? <laughs> so you know, it was like one of those things where, as I was coming up the ranks, like. You know, I kind of got to know you, but then I like, when did we become friends? I don't know. I don't know when we officially kind of, uh, did we like ever officially say it? I don't think we, I don't think we did like a blood transfer <laughs> kind of like, Hey, do you want to be my friend? You know, we started hanging out after shows. Like we'd go to yeah. dinner or something. Yeah. Probably like the last five to seven years. Really? Has it only been that? It's gotta be. I bet it's longer than that. You think it's longer? I bet it's longer I'll than that. I'll check my receipts. Let's check. <laughs> Go. I'm going to log on to my American Express account because <laughs> I'm sure I paid. And uh, so, did you just come off the road? I did. I've been doing a lot of road stuff because I'm getting. Talk, I love talking about the road. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I'm not like a huge road dog, but I'm getting ready to do an hour, so I've been doing a lot, and uh, it's been good, man. I was in San Francisco. I was just in Philly. I was in Utah. Um, Were you at Louis? You were at the um, Salt Lake City, right? Yes, Wise Guys. That's a cool city. I liked it, man. Because even like uh, people are like, oh, it's all going to be Mormons. You know? 
They yeah. laugh too, the Mormons. Right, right. Yeah, we. I think, you know, it's funny because we should know as New Yorkers the stereotypes that people have about this city, you know, and, and we go into these other places and have stereotypes yeah. that are very often disproven. Because I, I love the crowds in Salt Lake City. I thought they were great. Yeah, I remember when I did that club, um, this couple came in and they were asking, they were like, sort of the level of dirtiness. Right. And I don't remember how they answered, but I guess they decided to take a chance mm. and they had... They were at, they were great. Audience. They were laughing the whole time, but I, I kind of admired them. Like, well, that's the way to handle that. If you're worried, it's better to go and say, "How dirty is this?" Mm. and then decide whether you're going to stick around, rather than like watch it and then go, "Hey, why was that guy offensive?" Right. But right. I'm not that offensive. But uh, yeah, and I didn't find them to be prudish at all. You know, because I mean that was my concern. Like, uh, I mean, you know, I'm completely ignorant about Mormons, so let's say that right up front. You know, but I thought like maybe they're going to be prudish or easily offended. Um, but no, I didn't find that to be. The I case. think it's just like any other religion where there's you know there's different right. levels of like yeah I was born Mormon, mm-hmm. but you can say whatever you want, and then there's people who would have you know been horrified by something you said. Right, right. Yeah, and then they were telling me, too, that there's so many people that maybe come up, like, practicing that real hardcore, but then they kind of go the other extreme, and they kind of just lead normal lives, but still live in Salt Lake City. Yeah, which is good Mexican food in Salt Lake City. Is that right? I should have, had I known, yeah, there's a place with iguana in the name. <laughs> Red iguana, I think it is. You blew it. I did blow it. They lay out, like, a, you tell them, they, tell them, they lay out all these mole sauces, like a platter of mole sauces, and you try them. Oh, don't get me started on mole. I should have texted you. Um, so you're getting ready for an hour. Yes. Now, do you find, because when I was getting ready for my hour, I was like, is it better to just work on little chunks of material in the city for like 10 minutes and then build those and get those better? Because I feel like on the road, you have to dip into the stuff you've, you've already completely written. Yeah, well, I mean, you know what's been nice for me with this is doing, like, a proper run on the road, which I haven't really done for a while. I I tend to do, like, maybe one, uh, maybe a a month on the road. Uh, But this has been, like, a stretch of, like, two a month uh, or even three in some cases for the last few months. So you forget, like, that muscle gets so strong, you know, doing the hour and uh, and just, you know, you get a lot freer with it. You start to add tags and all that. So, you know, I kind of forgot, in a sense, that the importance of, um, of getting out there. And, and I'm, I'm more equipped, you know, sometimes I think, like, I still carry the baggage of my early days of, like, things I didn't like about the road. And, but now, like, you're a, a better comic. You're a more experienced human being. Uh, so the road is a lot more fun, like radio, things that I used to dread, maybe. Uh, I've gotten better at all of the things that maybe I dreaded. How have you gotten better at radio? Because um, I still, I'm trying to avoid any place that asks, that tells me where I have to do an interview. Right. Because I just, I find that some of them are not selective. I mean, there'll, there'll be ones yeah. that surprise me where the guy will be like, hey, you're going to go to this top 40 station, and the guy's like really savvy about comedy and asks great questions and is very polite. Yes, but then there's others who are just like they think that oh uh, we're we're you know they're, we're the mean morning guys, right? And right. we're bust balls because you're a comedian. Yeah. But how have you gotten better at it? Um, I think probably just by virtue of having done a lot of it over the years, and maybe just having a better sense of how I fit into that. You know, like instead of trying to like maybe just do the bits all the time or. I just, I think I'm more relaxed than I used to be. I didn't know what I was doing, really, in the early days. Yeah. 
It's hard when they do the. Do you, do you get the phone interview sometimes? I've gotten that where they're like, yeah. call a country music station at 7.45 Wednesday morning. Right, okay. right. Well, that should really bring in the crowds. <laughs> so I will get up at 7.42 yeah. and talk to these people who didn't do any preparation about me. Right, right. Well, it's hit or miss. You know, like, like you said, sometimes they'll surprise you where these guys are genuine comedy fans. They're somewhat familiar with your work. And that makes it, I find that makes it so much easier. If they have any familiarity yeah, yeah, with you yeah. and they're somewhat of fans, uh, yeah. Well, know. the road definitely gets easier when you have actual people who want to see you showing up. That's As true opposed too. to, because, uh, and also those are pretty good places you're playing those. San Francisco Punchline's good. Yeah, that's fun. The one place in Philadelphia is good. Yep, Helium. Yeah. Yeah, you, good cities too, you know, so there's things to do. So it, when are you taping your hour? Or, I don't know um, when this is going to be on. But. Yeah, well, you know, it's funny because initially I was going to do it DIY, like I did my first one. But now uh, I'm working with new management. So, like, things that I was going to do on a smaller scale, uh, I'm, it looks like I'm going to go a little bigger. I figure, you know, I, I sometimes I, I think I like DIY and I like the purity of, like, you know, the create, you know creating something yourself and kind of making all of the small decisions but I think I'm just at a point where like you know if more people ultimately can see my work by working with management and by you know looking to do it on a bigger level um, then I think it's time to do that so that's what I'm doing where are you doing it? I'm not sure like a few months ago when it was still going to be self-produced, I was looking at the Bell House and uh, the Music Hall in Williamsburg. Those are nice places. I like those places. Yeah. Uh, but now, you know, those decisions are on hold um, because it's been pushed back. So it's, I'm probably going to be shooting now, I would say, probably closer to June. June. And, in, and you think, you're thinking more of a big theater now? Not, not necessarily. Uh, it might still be those places, but... Um, it just depends on what other players get involved in terms of partnering and uh, money and all that stuff. Anytime I film or record an album, I'm always just I like I don't care how small it is, just because I just want to fill it. So like, yeah, like recording an album and saying, "Yeah, hundred seat room. Where's a hundred seat room?" Right, right. Because I just don't want to be like showing up, like all worried about recording an album, and then there's like, "Yeah, there's ninety people in a three hundred seat place." Yeah, and uh, the thing is too, like I don't play thousand seaters so i would prefer you know like the, the smaller end of a theater like between a club and a theater right because that's what you're used to that's what i'm used to you're not a big theater act like i am that's right yeah i mean after i, I just said uh, i've taped in front of 100 people now i'm trying to undo that because that makes me sound like i'm small potatoes <laughs> but you don't play big 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 places like i do so you're going to do this hour now have you thought are you do you think you're how long do you think you're going to actually do when you're filming it I guess uh, somewhere between an hour, hour 15, you know. I yeah. mean, yeah. That's I don't, I don't do know. It. I don't how many, do you know how many shows? I'm going to do two. Two? Yeah, do two. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. Because the more you do, the more you have to sift through. What's the longest that you've done? On stage? Yeah. Uh, I feel like, I think in Atlanta, I remember particularly pointlessly long show I did it's one of those shows where I was like I don't even think this is going well but I'm still on stage it, like, it was so sloppy that it ended up being longer show than it would just because I was fucking around a lot was it planned or you just like no it was just I mean it was just at a rock club and I think I, I probably like 90 minutes mm-hmm. but I just I get that 
when you're kind of rambling or when you're when you're doing sort of a sloppy show where you're going in and out of doing material, it doesn't feel like you're getting momentum sometimes. So it, you go like, wow, I, how am I going to end? i got to get a little stride going before right. I end this. Right. And then you look at your watch and it's like, oh, I've been up here an hour and ten minutes and yeah. it doesn't feel like I should end. But you're... Sometimes you can't tell when the audience wants you to end. I always feel it's yeah. better to end. Quit while your head is an expression that I made up <laughs> that totally is uh, applies to what we're talking about. Yeah, and it's, you know, like sometimes you can't gauge what the audience... Like, I think we're always kind of that critical side of like... You know, are they with me? Or, you know, sometimes they love that stuff where you meander. Um, yeah, you know, but yeah, it's it's a it's a fine line. i yeah, and I've asked sometimes, which is sort of an insecure thing to do. Though. Do you want me to stay up here? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> right. Which is kind of not the. It is probably is the best way to handle that because then you go, oh, I've got my answer. Yeah. But sometimes you just. Uh, I I don't. I think all shows by almost everyone are too long. I think all movies are too long. <laughs> yeah. All bands play too long. All comedians. I mean, I think, I think forty-five minutes. I think for a comedian, forty-five minutes. I agree. For man. a band, seventy-five minutes. I agree. I don't think uh, like I, you know, like even if someone's killing, an hour to me feels like that's plenty. An hour. I'd say an hour. Yeah. If you're paying good money, mm-hmm. I can, um, to see someone, you should give them an hour, but. I feel like uh, sometimes you just, yeah, I feel enough is enough. Yeah. Now, are you going to do the thing, the Louis C.K. Uh, sort of throw it all out model? That's what I'm hoping to do. Yeah. That's yeah. hard. It's very hard. Um, yeah. I mean, we've both opened for Louis. Um, in fact, you kind of. Have... I don't open for people. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Uh-huh. But, but we've talked about how, like, yeah, that, that model is um, daunting, but also somewhat inspiring. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping to to do that, you know. Uh, this is the first time I'm really doing it because my last one was about, like, eight years ago. So I kind of, like, I really took my time with this. And there was three or four times where I thought I was, like, going to do it and then just didn't. Um, but, you know, I, I always feel like more time is always better anyway. It doesn't really hurt you. Um, to wait? To wait. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. But now uh, I think I'm ready to move that pace up and maybe, if not every year, uh, maybe every two years. Yeah. I mean, between YouTube and XM Radio or Sirius Radio, I don't think XM's in business anymore, but is it still called Merged, Merged, right? Merged, Merged. yeah. XM's so that, what I said wasn't completely crazy. <laughs> I'm looking at the microphone as I said that, because the microphone is, I don't like the way it's looking at me. Uh, but it's just you're exposed more like, yeah. The old days when you had no TV, you could do the same twenty minutes forever. Yeah, I mean, I still do that, but <laughs> I get flack for it. <laughs> um, well, there's been these monumental shifts during our careers. You know, like there's so many changes, and I think we, I was talking about this recently with somebody that comedy in general has evolved into like this. Uh, this cool thing now that a lot of people are doing, like not only in the big cities, but in the smaller cities as well. Like there's scenes in every city, whereas like on the road you would go like, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, and there would be like four comics in certain cities or, but now there's like a scene almost everywhere you go. Yeah, there is a little, yeah. I mean, I, I've done colleges. Like I did a show at Notre Dame a few years ago, like two Notre Dame comics up for me. Yeah. And they were both pretty good. They were like, yeah. oh, okay. <laughs> 
they would, you know, they didn't have the polish or amazing skills that I have. They, but you could see that their thought process was like, oh, these guys, yeah, they're right. doing something interesting. Um, where did you start? I, I don't even know where you, was it New York? I started here, yeah. I grew up in Queens, so like when I started, I, I actually started as part of a duo for the first year and a half. Uh, my buddy and I, Hollis, that uh, we went to Queens College together, and we did sketch comedy there. Um, when we graduated, we said, let's just go out together to some open mics. So we, you know, we did like the lottery at the comic strip and all that stuff. We got, uh, a call back. Um, so yeah, there were like some interesting things, but we didn't really do it that often. You know, we probably did it once or twice a month if that. Um, and ultimately then I just kind of wanted to do it, uh, on my own. And then Hollis wound up moving out to LA. So, uh, what it turned out to be was like a good year and a half of learning the ins and outs of the open mic scene and getting my stage legs. And, uh, so yeah, the, the, the duo thing was a good kind of entree to the world of stand up. Um, so that when I ultimately started doing it solo, I, you know, I was pretty comfortable. I was pretty aware of where to go and all that, but I was going back and forth between the long Island rooms. Uh, it was like, what. Chuckles, Brokerage, uh, Governors, and then the New York uh, open mic. So uh, because of where I was living, I was kind of halfway between both scenes, and, and it wound up being a good thing. I would think start. I mean, I sort of started in New York, but I would think it would be a nightmare, just a full-on start here. I mean, all these, you know. I guess it's one of those things where you, you don't realize because, you, you know, it's where you are. Like, I didn't know what the other options were. I, I'm from here, so... To me, it was amazing because right away I was watching guys like you and I was watching... Uh, well, I guess that would be amazing. <laughs> you know? Now that you put it that way. No, honestly, man, like for a young comic, like when you're just starting, uh, like, you know, because a lot of nights you wouldn't even get on. You're just watching. So I'm watching like great comics and I loved it, man. I loved just sitting in the back and watching and learning. And uh, yeah, so when people say like, oh, how could you start in New York? You know, it was like an education, man. You're learning from the best like every night. Yeah, um, yeah, it is. But I remember early New York days where it's just surreal. Where you, you go on, you get on, and then like Seinfeld's after you, or or you have to follow him. Yeah, you have to follow. <laughs> like, yeah, you're like I've been doing comedy two years, and you're like, yeah, and that stuff's exciting, and it's just oh yeah, yeah. I remember going home after I had to follow uh, Adam Sandler when he was on SNL. We stopped into the strip one night. And uh, he wasn't even like really doing. It. He wasn't. He just like popped in. I guess maybe he was hosting something or needed to polish, whatever. Uh, so they were like, he's going to go on first, and then you. So of course he, you know, the place erupts. Right. And uh, and then I had to follow, and I, you know, I held my own. And uh, like those kind of nights, you just go home, and you're so buoyed, and you're like, oh man, you know, it's like uh, I've also had nights where like I had to follow. I remember I followed Ray Romano one time of my first set at the cellar. And I died. I had the exact situation where they, I think I was auditioning. And it was just complete, like, night and day bomb. This is pre-Everyone Loves Raymond. Same for me, This yeah. is when it was just a oh, really funny comic. comic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I just, it was just like, oh. Just one of those, like, night and day, like, pain he killed and you completely bombed. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's a pro and you're, like, a, a kid dabbling. Yeah, I, I, I remember. I, that's like a bomb that I remember... I probably remember for the rest of my life, but it was just, 
And you know, and the guy, the booker, the clubs in the back, and you just is just, just so like that whole like yeah, you know, unspoken. You don't even want to make eye contact, right? It's just you feel you know. disgusted. Yeah, but I kind of wish like I I could see that if some, I wish I could see a videotape of that or a digitally recorded tape. Just to see how, like, if I was bad, or if it was just the way it happened, like, they liked him, they didn't like me, or did I do something wrong? You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's always fascinating. Like, sometimes it's just the energy of the room. Sometimes it's just in the cards. To, to yeah. Bomb. You're going to bomb. You're going to um, bomb. Do you reflect a lot, like, after you do a show? Or do you kind of, because I notice a lot, like, I wish I did that more. Like, I feel like sometimes I just go, oh, that was good. And then I guess something neat. You mean reflect? Like, uh, sitting like, did I do that? Good or bad? Yeah, do you just, like, like, supposedly you too watches tapes of their shows after? Oh, yeah. Which I find hard to believe. <laughs> when I interview Bono, who's in my, in he's the in room. the next room, he's in my green room of my apartment waiting, <laughs> keeping Bono awake. But, do you, like, analyze, like, all right, I mean, obviously, if you're trying new jokes out, you know, that worked and that didn't work. But. Yeah. I tape most of my shows, you know, just on my phone, and I, I listen to the new to the new stuff. Um, but, yeah, you know, I do reflect, I think, particularly if it goes really badly, you know, like, um, I will, uh, I'll try to think about, and, but I also try to, in a weird sense, savor that feeling, you know, because I feel like, well, you know, we're not just in this to savor, like, the nights that we kill. You know, uh-huh. that's not really what it's all about. Like, you know, savor the way that you feel. Because you're really, like, alive, man. When you bomb or you, just things go awful. or Like, I've been chased out of a club by, like, irate, uh, you know, patrons. Let's hear that story. I did a show at Stand Up New York <laughs> a couple years ago. That's a great interviewer instinct I had to shift gears to hear the chasing you out of the parts. What know? happened? Um... So I was, I was, it was during the week, I think it was a Wednesday or a Thursday, and I was, I was trying out, maybe it wasn't, maybe it was a week, I don't even know, but it was a late show, and I was trying out some stuff, and it was kind of political in nature. I think I remember hearing about this, or you told me about this, but I don't remember, and they haven't heard at home. So. Oh, man, it was as ugly as it gets, as far as, like, for me, uh, you know, just one of those visceral experiences where, like, I'm trying stuff out, and it's, um, it's... Like this political thing about singing "Take Me Out," uh, not "Take Me Out." How the seventh inning stretch at baseball games? It used to just be "Take Me Out to the Ball Game," but now, ever since nine eleven, they also sing "God Bless America." And I was talking about how uh, maybe some people at a baseball game don't believe in God, and some people at a baseball game aren't from America. So why are we essentially praying for America at a baseball game? Um, put to song. Uh, you know, so it was like an idea, yeah. and I had tried it maybe once before. It wasn't fully hashed out. It was just something I was talking through. But the crowd was like listening and into it. But one table, just this guy, like basically put his hand up. He's like, "No." That that was what he said. And I was like, "What do you mean, no?" He's like, "No." I was like, "Well, you know, I'm sorry, but you don't get to decide that." <laughs> like, yeah, I get. I do the voting at the end of the show. <laughs> right, right. We're almost there. No, I love that. And then, uh, then the other side of the room started shouting him down. Oh, that's oh, that's great! And saying, "Shut the fuck up, let him talk." Uh, and then this other old woman who was at the same table yells, "You were doing so well!" And I'm like, uh, "I'm still, I'm still doing well. I'm good." Yeah. 
So uh, it was like so funny. This elderly, you were doing like, well as an audience, stage mom. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So uh, so then uh, I, I you know then they're going back and forth. The room is getting crazy. Uh, I'm telling you know I'm kind of like getting into it with them, and it, it devolves and gets worse. Then I somehow just you know you're trying to figure out like how do I just finish this up and get mm-hmm. on stage? Do I like it's weird to go back into jokes, but I somehow like managed to go and finish. But then I have to pass that table when I'm exiting. You know, you know how like the, the stand up is like they're right there. Yeah. So they're that you know that table right at the base of the steps, and uh, the woman stands up and grabs my shoulder, and she's like, "You're a piece of shit." I'm like, "Take your hand off of yeah. me." And then her husband stands up behind her, and then I'm just like, you know, then I just kind of like go out that side door. And uh, the owner is there. He's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm like, don't worry about it. I just like, I run out. I go into a cab. And that's, you know, what's weird about stand-up is like you're in this like weird uh, bubble of chaos. And then two minutes later, you're you're in a cab. Like, yeah, like alone. (laughs) Sometimes there's like, sometimes that happens with a good show, too. That's true. Where you, I remember doing a show in Boise, Idaho. And it was really good. Like everyone did well. And then just... Place it's one of those, sometimes the club empties out and takes an hour for everyone to get out of there. Right. And sometimes the club just ends. And just remember standing there with the two other comics just in the empty club, like like four minutes after the show ended, where people were going crazy. And then you're just yeah. like, oh, what happens now? Yeah. <laughs> I guess that was it. They don't keep applauding. They're home. They gotta. <laughs> they're in their cars, and uh, I guess they got shit to do. And uh, what, what? We still need a little more attention. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, isn't that amazing, though? It, it is like, you know, and that that's what I think is so amazing about stand-up. It's like, it is that interactive thing that we need, like, the other members of the band, essentially. Like, it's the crowd, you know? And we need them for, for what you mentioned, like, the awesome, like, energy of a great show where everything's popping. And we also need them for that, like, awful, like, chaotic moment. But that's where you, so great when the crowd is gets what's going on. Yeah. Because... Sometimes they're just sitting there tense, which is sort of a natural reaction also. Right. But for them to speak up and go, that that makes all the difference in the world. You mean like for, for the Yeah, well, the example is yeah. the show you were telling me about where... Yeah. Did they did they throw them out? I bet they did. I don't even know. They were still there as they of probably when said, I finished. Hey, can you guys... Uh, one more. We'll give you yeah, free passes. Yeah, here's free passes. <laughs> I've done shows like that where I was tempted to mention a club, but where there were just these twerpy, shitty, like borderline teenagers ruining the show and you know it's just thing where you you have to throw these people out and it was like unquestionable and then you see the owner afterwards like smoothing it over right right and it's like why don't you just go don't come back to my club yeah you'll yeah. find someone else to sit in those seats like, right hey there'll right. be a there'll be an actor you won't want to yell at yeah yeah and I we'd mean, like to have your money right at that at that time right i mean it bears mentioning that this can happen at any club at any time but that said, like, yeah, I think clubs really would do well to um, to be more aggressive, policing rooms, and also to back the comics first and foremost. You know, that like, we're the artists, we're the people that they're there to see. And yeah. if a show is being disrupted, there's a hundred other people plus in that room that are there for a good time that are that are being shortchanged, you know? Yeah. So, that, yeah, that's, it can I, be aggravating. I, I could talk about that <laughs> shit for that. I probably have talked about that for many hours of my life. Just the the uh, civility 
I'm a highbrow act. Decorum. Decorum. It's just so nice because sometimes you do, a sh- there's those clubs, you know, like Largo in L.A. Have you done Largo? Sure. You're just going, it, it doesn't even occur to you that someone is going to do something shitty. Like you can't, you know, they don't even, they actually police the no texting thing there, mm-hmm. which is just, that's a whole new topic of, uh, of, of annoyance in shows where it's just, front row, it's, it's not even. Every show, right? Every show. Yeah. Except for the few clubs that tell you not to do it, which works. Yeah. They don't even know, they don't even know the, that you can tell people how well, to act in the club. There's so few spaces in life now where people sh- literally shut their phones off, you know, like completely off. So, yeah, it's Yeah, I mean, someone to... I know was just on, went to a Broadway show and there was someone sitting next to them texting the whole time. Like, and that's someone who probably spent $80 to get in there. Yeah. It's just like... Oh, um, probably texting. I'm in the front row. And, oh yeah, yeah. It's I, yeah. I mean, that was before texting. You, you used to hear stories about people. Some, I heard some story about someone being at a show, like, hey, it was like at the public theater or something, like a haunt, sort of a you know highbrow place. Hey, I'm at the show. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> That's like a third hand story. Um, so you got. Um, I was just going to ask you about something else. Name everything we talked about because I, I had something. <laughs> We're talking about the uh, chasing and the running from the club, and uh, mm. so did you ever? Do you ever feel like were you worried at all about them coming, find, tracking you down, or anything? The people who, who sort of stood up. Yeah, I'm. I'm always worried, just in the sense that typically these people are drunk, you know. Yeah. So you're not dealing with rational people. Uh, usually, anyone who interrupts, there's a level of drunkenness there. Um, so yeah, that's, and I, I'm really not, I always look at it like this, man. When I'm on stage and an audience is listening, that's a self-contained moment. And in a sense, like once I step off stage, that's over. Like I'm now I'm an individual. And if you want to talk to me as an individual, that's fine. But like, that moment wasn't even entirely of my own creation. That was like our creation in that room. And like, we can talk about it almost like in the third person of like, yeah, that was interesting. What happened back there? Like I'm an observer too of it. Granted, I have a, you know, a larger hand in, in, you know, kind of conducting what goes on, but you know, I'm a participant as much as the crowd in a certain sense. It's, it's that dialogue. So, I don't want to talk with somebody about the show. Like it's like, it's, it's over. It happened. It was interesting. It was great. It was bad. It was awful, but now it's done. Was there part of you that when you were in that taxi, it was like, man, I wish I would have stuck around. Cause it, sometimes when I have those altercations, it's part of me that wants to just stand in the bar, just sipping a diet Coke. Um, What do you think I was going to run out of the club? Not that I think I, I probably would have, Taken off too. Well, that ultimately so you don't want to get your ass kicked by a little lunatic. Yeah, that <laughs> night was so crazy that um, I just like my instinct was get out of here. Yeah, I usually get out, but there is sometimes where I'm like, no, I want to see what you say when you walk by me. Yeah, in the bar. Yeah, not that I'm going to fight you, but right. Or see if the audience says something to them. But right. Yeah, it's it's crazy, man. But ultimately, it's probably better to wash your hands of it. Yeah, I mean, what what good is going to come out of it? Like, they're not going to have a rational discussion with you. Like, you know, I had a little time to reflect on it, and you yeah. you were making some good points. I wasn't even listening to you, and uh, <laughs> yeah, I've had people who, I think, some people just want to be offended. 
you know, like I'll do a joke yeah. about yeah, going to school in University of Florida and someone will be like, hey, you were kind of dissing on Gainesville. Not really. Not really at all. <laughs> it's just like, I was telling something about an experience I had there. Yeah. But and saying the city name out loud isn't dissing the city. Yeah. You're really ragging them. It actually wasn't. Yeah. Just, just, that shit drives me crazy. And I kind of think, too, that, like, all of the art forms, whether it's ballet or going to a museum to look at a painting, like, you don't yell at the, you yeah. know, at the artist or at the... You just take it in. You feel what you feel. Right. You react, you know, maybe laugh or you feel anger. Or, but you don't, like... Stand-up's the only thing where they feel like, I'm having this feeling, I'm having this thought, and now I'm going to express it to the artist right now in this moment. You know, so I feel like, look, man, you're, you're looking at a painting or you're looking at a ballet right now or a play. Um, so just feel your feelings yeah. and don't impose them on the rest of the room. But the, the type of person who would do that is listen to that and go, oh, you think you're a ballet star? Yes. Oh, you think you're a big painter or something? <laughs> well, kind of. I'm a painter of great jokes. That's right. And this is my latest exhibit that you fucked up. <laughs> with, because you brought a black magic marker. That's right. Or any magic marker would fuck up a painting. Um, I will delete the fucks out of this. No, I was like G-rated. So you have a web series now. Or did yes. you start it? It's shot. Shot, okay. Yeah. So it's not, I'm not a jerk for not having seen it. No, because it's not up. Okay. So it's not my fault. It's not your fault. What's it called? Teacher's Lounge. What is, is it about a teacher's lounge? Yes. Like you, I am a former teacher. Yeah, I used to be a sub, substitute teacher. Yes. Um, or supply teacher, as I think they call it in the UK. Ah, nice. Uh, Going for the... You were a real teacher, though, right? I was a, uh, a music teacher, K through. Oh, five. so you weren't a real teacher, yeah. <laughs> right? Oh, nailed that one. Ouch. Um, K through. So you were an actual certified, licensed. Yeah. How long did you do that? I got my master's in elementary education, and I taught for five years when I first got out of college. Wow. I was starting up in stand up at night, and I was teaching at two different schools. Um, it, it was actually two days at one school, two days at another. So it was only four days a week, and it was like a good compliment to uh, to stand up. So when you first started out, did you, and you were teaching at the same time, were you like, I'm going to teach till I'm a professional stand up? Or was this like, hey, I'm a teacher and I'm going to dabble in this just as a goof? No, no. I think pretty quickly I realized this is my day job and I really want to make stand-up work. Um, yeah, it wasn't like I'm just playing around in stand-up and uh, I'm going to be a teacher forever. No, I, I wanted to get out. Um, and I did after five years. I probably hung around like a year longer than I should have looking back. Uh, I was a little burnt out. but uh, And, you know, stand-up was picking up. I was starting to kind of make a living. So it was time to go. And, it, you know, I mean, I loved teaching. It was it was good. It was fun. I liked it. It was, you know, creative. So you started stand-up after college? Yes. Like I did? Yes, right when I got out. So the, the, tell me about the uh, so teachers web lounge. series. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So... Uh, <clears throat> My buddy Hollis, who I started in comedy with, you know, over the years we've collaborated on a bunch of projects. Um, so he and I wrote this web series, Teacher's Lounge, and then we decided to shoot it and fund it ourselves and do all this. So basically the idea is 
I'm the music teacher, Hollis is the janitor, we're always just hanging out in the teacher's lounge. And then other comedians come in playing faculty. So we got Lewis Black as the principal. Perfect uh, casting. Judy Gold is the gym teacher. Ah, uh, yes, good casting there. Judah Friedlander is the computer science teacher. Uh, Ted Leo plays himself uh, in an episode. <laughs> Musician Ted Leo as himself in Teacher's Lab. That's I right. Like that. And then Janine Garofalo does the uh, public address announcements that begin every episode. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. So um, Called in a lot of favors on this one, I see. Absolutely, absolutely. So the idea was to do a web series, and um, but then there was some interest, uh, like as we started kind of shopping it around and talking to people, um, and then I started working with new management, we said, well, again, like rather than going small with this, let's hold it back and uh, let's write the pilot um, for, for a television series. So that's what we're doing now. House and I are writing the pilot, and uh, that's the hope is to try to... Now, is it in... Because I remember the teacher's lounge and a pretty interesting place some of the time. Yeah. Are you, are you going for that as sort of just the backdrop, but it's going to get crazy, or are you going to go for the realistic... I think somewhere in between. Like, I mean, yeah, yeah. The um, I think the feel of it and the uh, look of it will be real, but like as far as the places we take it and the things we do uh, will be a little weird. And we also leave room for improv. Like we give some, you know, some bullet points of just like trying to hit these points, hit these marks, and then people go with it. So, so you are going to air the web series. Ultimately, we will, yeah. But as of now, since we're kind of writing the pilot, um, we figured let's hold it back until we see like what happens with this. Um, so that's the, the plan. So don't you think, maybe, I don't know what I'm talking about, but don't you think having the web series gain some uh, attention might well, help the pilot? Yeah, we, we debated that back and forth, you know. Do you like, want me to call your manager on this? <laughs> you know, we, we were wondering the same thing. Like, should we put it out there? Does that help? Uh, does it hurt? Um, I just feel like, and I could be wrong, I feel like anytime you can do something yourself... On yeah. your own terms, right? And get, you know, it's like when, not quite. You don't hear about this much, but a band would sell five, fifty thousand records out of their garage. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> then all these labels go, "Oh, you did that out of your garage? Imagine what we can." And then you sort of go in there with like a little leverage and like. Uh, well, I think the fact that we do have the four of them shot, so we, we are like showing those to people as well, like you know, in the industry. And um, we did like a little sizzle promo that's on my website, uh, so people can see that on tedalexandro.com. Hey, I did not give you permission to plug your website. <laughs> I did not give you permission. I took liberty there, sorry. You did that as if I wouldn't have let you do that. <laughs> and on tedalexandro.com, oh, got it in there. Um, because I remember the teachers' lounge being sort of, you know, teachers are great, but there was always a few where you're like, "Wow, you're kind of as petty and childish as." Oh yeah, absolutely. You, some people like the way you talk to people. They're you talk childish. To everyone like a child. Yeah. And people talk to me just like, "Are you?" When I was subbing, like I wasn't a great sub, but the New York school system wasn't a great place to sub either. Right. But they just talk to me like I was a fucking idiot. Yes. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of, like, arrogance with some of the older teachers. And I think it's just a ripe kind of thing to explore um, because, you know, I think any workplaces, but like you said, the teacher's lounge is so specific. And as a kid, it's a mysterious place. Uh, as an adult, it's, like, you know, an interesting kind of um, kind of place to explore, like the, like you said, the petty kind of uh, things that go on. And even though these are adults, they, they can be very childish. Yeah. But most teachers are really good. That's right. Ted and I are on record. <laughs> but the good ones will not... They don't make a good web series or TV show. Right. So the terrible ones will be 
featured prominently. It will be the five. <coughs> yeah. Uh, mention your website. You're on Twitter, Ted Alexandro. That's right. Do you enjoy that? Yeah, I've kind of grown to uh, to like Twitter. I was uh, kind of slow out of the gate, but now I uh, I enjoy it. I'm not like an everyday tweeter. Uh, I kind of go in bursts, mm-hmm. but I like it. How about you? I'm I'm a one of the hottest. <laughs> I'm a Twitter celebrity, right? I uh, you're verified <coughs> or something, right? I am verified. Yeah. We have to get you verified. I used to have an in there, but uh, uh, what does that mean exactly? Well, you get you get twenty five thousand dollars a year stipend. <laughs> you get. Sweat. Early boarding Twitter's for most airlines. <laughs> yeah. um, it just means that people go, how come you're verifying? Who are you? How come you're verifying? Who are you? It just means that it's you're not an imposter. So, <clears throat> all this multiple throat clearing, I mean, this is down and dirty stuff. It's back it just up. means that you've been verified. It's like, this is Ted tweeting. It's not someone who just signed up uh-huh. for a Ted Alexander account. Right. Yeah, so they know it's you. I don't need that, though. You kind of need Maybe eventually. It, looks, it makes you feel great. <laughs> it makes you feel great. It makes you feel really good. What's the best thing that ever happened as a result of being verified? <laughs> All right. Good point. <laughs> Instantly shot down. Just that glow that you walk around. You're just skipping your step that you have. Nice. Um, are you acting in this? Yes. Or yeah, did you already tell me I, that? Yeah, I play the music teacher. Oh, you play the music teacher. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah. Todd doesn't listen to his guests. <laughs> as I asked that question, I was like, I'm asking a question I already asked and it's been answered. Were you trying to, uh, to no, throw, your, I, throw your hat in the ring to no, play, play the music I would teacher? play uh, something. We, well, I asked you because I asked uh, like about eight people in the early going. Uh, I didn't say no, did I? No, you were out of town. Oh, okay. Yeah, on the I days. would say yes to you. Yeah, yeah. I say no to a lot of web series requests, but... <clears throat> yeah, no, you said uh, I would love to, but I'm out of town, so... You said, I said I'd love to, but I'm out of town, and then you saw me the next two weeks roaming yeah. around New York. Right. Tom, what do you mean? Well, I went to Jersey to, to see a show. <laughs> I went to Hoboken. That's what I meant when I was going to be out of town for two weeks. I went, right. One night I went to Hoboken. Across the river. Do you like acting? I do like acting. <clears throat> yeah. I started out like high school and college doing a lot of, uh, you know, community theater and school drama things. Um, so that was really my background, you know, before I, uh, before I ever attempted stand-up. I did a lot of, a lot of plays, a lot of musicals. Really? Yeah. Oh, so you can sing? Yeah, a little bit. You know. Being in a musical looks like a blast, actually. It's fun, man, especially when you're in high school. It's so social. It's a way to meet girls, obviously. Um, and yeah, it was just, it was fun, man. It was, I think I hit my stride because I had played sports prior to that, but then uh, I hit my stride when I started like doing the plays and stuff. That was my uh, my tribe, I guess. Yeah, I think it's stand-ups. Or for me, you get so used to being... The good part is you get to do whatever you want, for the most part. But then I see a musical, and then, oh, it'd be nice to have to like hit all these marks and yeah. work together with someone. The collaborative nature of And then it. I would do it, I'd be like, oh, I like stand-up because I get to do what I want. Right. <laughs> right. I need to resign from exactly. this play. Uh, Are you a dancer? Would you dance? I'm a huge, yeah, of course I'm a dancer. That's I'm a huge singer. And, so I didn't know you knew how to sing. I know you played piano. Yeah. But I don't know. Wow. Do you have any? Um, do you do you do all for auditions? I, I used to. Yeah. There was a time when I had a manager who was more kind of um, tapped into the Broadway scene. So I, I did a little bit of that, like very early on. But uh, you know, 
I think it was more like musicals were something I liked to do in high school and college and kind of get my performance chops. And now um, I don't know if I would necessarily do a musical. I mean, if it was something great, yeah, maybe. But. Did you see Book of Mormon? I haven't. Done. It's so lives up to the hype. Yeah, it's so. It's just like it's just one of those things you look at and you go, God. I am the laziest mm. fucking person in the world. Those guys are so great. Ah, it's really good. You I've, know what? I will say this in the back of my mind. I have thought, like, maybe I have a musical in me somewhere. You know, like me. I don't know. It's got to be the right topic. and the right. I, I've written, like, little song parodies here and there. And, um, yeah. It's a huge endeavor. But I, that has popped into my head once or twice. It's so ambitious. Now. Yeah. Before we go... Uh, so I wanted to ask you about this. You, this guy Hollis. So you guys, it's kind of good that you guys split up before you ended up hating each other, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's my best friend. You know, like we we just became great friends in college, and then it was cool because we went our separate ways artistically. And he was like writing screenplays and doing different things. He was out in L.A. Um, so yeah, like you say, I think it was good that it was good for our friendship too that we were just doing different things. Um, and then, you know, over the years, it, it wasn't like we ever stopped doing things together. We wrote a couple of screenplays together. We actually wrote other pilots together over the years that I pitched. Um, so, yeah, it's just like one of my dearest friends that is also like my true kind of uh, collaborative uh, partner that I love working with. That's good, because I feel like if you were, I just, when I hear, when you said you were in a duo, I was like, man, that, that sounds like fun, but it just... Even when I've collaborated with someone writing someone writing something, sometimes you just get the thing where like, well, I could feel like we could get into a fight. Like yeah. this person's a great friend of mine, and I feel like we could get into a fight over something. Yeah, I think like with uh, with performing, like I started to feel more and more like um, the, the urge to kind of get my solo voice out there for stand up, you know. Uh, and I'm glad I did. But um, as far as like writing this web series with him, and we just have like a great um, shorthand, and and there's no ego. It's like you know, kind of like whatever's funny wins out. Um, and I like that because of, like you said before, the nature of what we do is so um, uh, individual that it's it's nice to show, you know have someone to share the burden. Yeah, I mean, when I've collaborated and it works, it, it does feel great when you just like, we skip all those steps where like, oh, this person, this person, even if they say something I don't think is right for this little script we're writing, it's not going to make me cringe. Right. They're like, all right, I don't, I don't necessarily think that's the best thing you could write there, but I don't want you to leave my apartment now because yeah. I'm so mortified yeah. by what, that terrible idea you just had. Right. Well, and if you have like that respect or that friendship, you can kind of shoot each other down and, and, you know, you just, you both know what works or what doesn't. Yeah. Um, anything to plug? You have your website, tedalexandro.com, Twitter. Is that, is that not enough? I, I gave and, you a... Yeah. Do you have some tour dates hour? coming up? I don't know when we're going to... No, I know it's 45. Believe me, we're done. <laughs> I, don't know how to end, I don't know how to end the podcast. They don't really build to a crescendo or anything. Is that the right? Did I use crescendo? That was perfect. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, my dates are on yeah, my yeah. site, tedalexandro.com. Uh, Ted, thanks for coming. This was a good one. This is going to require almost no editing. I think this one's going to be beginning to end um, as is. It's going to be an as is. That's not the best way to describe it. <laughs> thanks, Ted. Thank you, Ted. 
Hey, I hope you enjoyed my talk with Ted Alexandro. Um, I have some tour dates coming up July 10th through 13th. I'll be in New York City. I'm touring in New York City at Caroline's. July 10th through 13th. If you use code TODDB, you get $10 off on the first two shows, the Wednesday and Thursday. July 21st through 28th, I'll be in Montreal at the Just for Last Festival, doing a lot of shows and doing my podcast there. Check me out, ToddBerry.com, at ToddBerry on Twitter. Check out Feral Audio, F-E-R-A-L Audio.com. They put together this podcast. I don't know what put together means. And uh, lots of other good ones. Check them out. You can donate to the podcasts also. All right. See you next week. This is firefighter Raphael Poirier for Firehouse Subs. Introducing the new spicy Cajun chicken sub, Cajun seasoned grilled chicken breast, zesty cherry peppers, and house-made Cajun mayo. Just $5.55 for a medium. Remember, a portion of every sub you buy helps provide life-saving equipment for first responders. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Limited time only, plus tax. Participating locations. Firehouse Subs would donate a minimum of $1 million in 2019 to the Firehouse Subs Public Safety Foundation by donating 0.11% of every purchase.